Yes, it's so awesome. Every time we see it, it's so incredible. Um, well, let me just be another person to say, one of my favorite sentences to say all year, Merry Christmas, Northside. Love Christmas at Northside. I just love Christmas in general. Um, it's, it's one of my favorite times of the year. And it's, it's fun for us this year, my family, because um, this is like the first year that my daughter is an actual human. And so like last year... She, you know, she was two months when Christmas was happening. She slept through everything. But this year, we're trying to take her through all the traditions and show her all the things. We, we went to Lights Under Louisville with her. Um, her grandparents took her to Light Up Charlestown, which was awesome. We're teaching her not to touch the tree. We're teaching her not to touch the tree again. We're teaching her not to touch the tree again. It's really fun. Um, she's listening to the music. She loves to dance. She loves to listen to the music. And, and I'm trying to show her some of the movies as well that she might care about. And so one of the things um, that I love in life is The Grinch, the original animated Grinch, which is just one of my favorite movies. Oh, a couple shout outs. Love that. Yeah. Um, Jim Carrey people get out of here. Anyways, though, <laughs> it's still a great movie. But I, I showed it to her for the first time and she woke up one morning and I took her out to the living room. We snuggled up and I was like, oh, it's The Grinch, baby. Like, this is so great. Uh, she didn't care. But then... Um, the Grinch came on the screen for that first time. And she paused and she like looked at the screen for a second and she said, Dada, at the screen. <laughs> Which means that she saw this green, fuzzy, yellow teeth, yellow eyed monster and was like, that's my dad, right? Like, I think that looks like my dad. So Merry Christmas from me, the Grinch, and pray for me, please. That's all I gotta say to that. Um, but I really do love Christmas so much, and I love Christmas at Northside. It's just a beautiful time. I love the fact that Christmas, um, it's a time of the year that you walk through the mall. You walk through a store, and you can hear Bible verses being sung in stores. It's beautiful. It's just like this really cool moment for me to be like, man, we, for some reason, we all pause. And we all take a moment to celebrate uh, this, this holiday together. And I love the way we're going to do this this year at Northside specifically. We're looking at a very interesting verse of the Bible when it comes to Christmas. Because if you've been here a long time, if you know the Bible pretty well, when you think of Christmas, you might think of Luke 2, the birth of Jesus. But we're not. We're, we're going to Revelation. And you know, I know what you're thinking like, ah, Christmas. The first thing you think about is Revelation. Maybe not. But listen to how this verse goes. It's Revelation 1.8. This is Jesus speaking. It says, I am the Alpha... And the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. He says this phrase, he says, I'm the Alpha, the Omega. That's um, alphabet letters, by the way. It's the beginning and the end. I am the first and I am the last. But then he says this, this three-part phrase. Did you hear it? He says, the one who is, who was, and then over here, who is to come. And hear me when I say this. Each of those sections is important is, was, and is to come. But I think the, the order matters here. The fact that Jesus went out of logical order for us, right? When we, we would hear this, we would think, okay, well, we, we first would be was, and then is, and then is to come. You would think it'd go past, present, future. But for some reason, he says is, was, is to come. And all these things are important, but there's something important, something special about knowing that Jesus is knowing who Jesus is. Um, I think a lot of us know who Jesus was. It doesn't, you don't have to be a Christian. You could be in this room and, and not believe in Jesus at all, and you can't really deny that he existed. Like, historians don't even deny that. There's enough Roman and Jewish historians who talk about Jesus that, that we know a man named Jesus from Nazareth existed, that he was killed, and there was political and cultural implications because of that. That's not even debatable. Like, he, he existed. You might argue about the divinity, but the existence is real. You look at historians like Tacitus or Josephus or this guy named Pliny the Younger, which by the way, if you're looking for a baby name, 2024, Pliny the Younger is right there. I mean, like, 
let's bring it back. But the, these people, um, they, they didn't believe in Jesus, but they wrote about him. The Christo, the, the, the Christo, like Christus, like that he was a real person that existed and all the followers. And so he's there. Now, maybe you're, you're like me and you believe in the divinity of Jesus. And you've been with us maybe for this whole year. We've been talking about Jesus and we looked at his, his interactions. We, talk, we looked at his, um, his conversations. We looked at the miracles that he committed and all these different things. And you know that. You know the stories of Jesus in the Bible. You know what the gospels say about him. Maybe you know some theology about him. You know who Jesus is. Like you know who, who Jesus was. You know the history. I think right now more than ever in my life, uh, we're talking about the fact that Jesus is to come. And with everything going on in Israel and um, Palestine, we, we, we look at that and we're like, man, like, is this, this it? Like, is this happening? Is Jesus coming back right now? That was one of our biggest questions for our middle schoolers. And so we addressed it one weekend and I got up on stage in front of everybody. I said, listen, middle schoolers, like, is Jesus coming back? The answer is yes, eventually. <laughs> and we talked about what the signs are. And we talked about what we can do in the meantime. We talked about um, what it means for us. But I think it's all over the place. We've been talking about this a few weeks ago. We talked about it in here. And then we talked about it in an event afterwards. We, we, we are talking about, is Jesus coming back right now? And, and right now, more than ever, we're, we're, we're thinking in that aspect is to come. But you might know a lot about who he was. You might know that he is to come. But do you know who Jesus is? Or maybe more importantly, do you know Jesus, the one who is? Because I think it's a very different question um, to ask, do you know who Jesus is versus do you know Jesus, the one who is? Um, I met my wife through a mutual friend. His name's Jack. I went to high school with him, one of my best friends. Um, and he went up to Cincinnati Christian University and he, he met my wife there. And he came to me after, uh, it was a few weeks that he was in college. He came back. He's like, Jacob, like, I've met the perfect girl for you. Yeah, she, is, she is amazing for you. You're gonna love her. She's like the female version of you. Like you have to meet her. And I was like, no, like I don't want a Cincinnati girl. Like that's not what I'm about in life, right? Like nothing against Cincinnati, but just I love New Albany. I was like, I don't, I'm not gonna drive to Cincinnati to meet some girl. And he was like, all right, whatever. A few weeks later, he says it again. I think it's Thanksgiving break. He's like, dude, you have to come meet this girl. Like she is perfect for you. You're gonna marry this girl. And I was just like, you're crazy. Like, I'm not gonna marry this girl. It's not gonna happen. A few weeks later, he comes back and he says, listen, I showed her your picture and she thinks you're hot. And I said, well, what's her name? I <laughs> like, tell me more about her, I guess. So I do what any sane person does. Um, I look her up on Facebook and... I see her on Facebook and I'm like, okay, like, all right, I, 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 get, I, I start to know who she is. And I see, um, my wife's name's Danielle, I see like that she, she her, what her family looks like and I can start to put together like, okay, these are her parents, these are her brothers. Um, I see where she went to high school. I found out she's not a Cincinnati girl at all, um, that she is a, a New Albany girl. And I'm like, now I'm interested for real. I like see all these different things. I see she playing, um, she played volleyball. I see that she was really into music. Um, in fact, at the time that I met her, I, I found out she was gonna be on American Idol. What, subtle flex, that's right. But like, I found out she was gonna like, be on American Idol. And so I was like, that's really cool. And so I did what any um, wise person would do. I took two of my best friends, my older brother, Jeremy, and my friend, Caleb, and we went to McDonald's in Georgetown and we had a strategy session, all right? And I, for two hours, this is not a joke, it was for two hours we sat there and I was like, what am I going to say to this girl to like wow her the first time? And after two hours of three of the most romantic minds sitting in a McDonald's together, <laughs> we came up with this line, um, are you the famous Danielle I've heard so much about? And all I'm gonna say is, it works, so like... <laughs> One for one on marriages over Facebook Messenger, yes. And I'm retiring, so sorry, <laughs> it's over. 
I remember though, like as I'm sitting in that McDonald's, I am, I am telling my friends who she is. I'm like, well, she does this and she likes this and she thinks like this and here's her family and here's this. And I knew, I knew Danielle was, I could pick her up out of a lineup. I knew what her family was doing. I knew what she liked and what she disliked. I knew all these different things. And I think that was 11 years ago. And I think to how I know Danielle now and how I can just look at her. I know what she's thinking and how when I talk to her, I can hear the things that she's not saying and how I know her in ways I never knew that I can know her. And there is a difference between knowing who Danielle is and knowing Danielle. And I think you guys know this, but it becomes very important in your life if you're a follower of Jesus, if you wanna be a follower of Jesus, if you're not a follower of Jesus, but you're giving this a shot, that you don't get those things confused. We don't just wanna know who Jesus is. We want to know Jesus, the relationship with him. We wanna know Jesus, the one who is. If you're a grammar wizard in this room, um, that word is a, that is word, is a first person singular present word, which maybe doesn't mean anything to you, but if you like grammar, you're like, oh, interesting. Um, it means that it's the now, it is current. That means that when Jesus says he is, the one who is, it means that he is currently with us. He is in the now, he is active. He is not dormant or distant, but he is near and he is working, he is moving, he is leading, he is guiding, he is here. He is God and he is. And it's one thing to know who Jesus is, but it's a whole other thing to know Jesus, the one who who is. And so my question today for you is simply that. Do you know who Jesus is? Or do you know Jesus, the one who is? And it's a beautiful and important question. Here's why. Because it doesn't matter if you've been in this church for 20 minutes or for 20 years. If you've been in this church for 20 minutes, you don't even care about Jesus. You don't even want to be here right now. Like you're just here because a friend invited you. I, I want you to see what we desire we don't just wanna be a church that follows laws and rules and we're no more for what we're against than what we're for and that we, we, we are just great church attenders. No, no, we wanna have a relationship that Jesus that changes us. If you've been here for 20 years and you know all the facts and you know everything and you know the Bible better than me and you're gonna correct me after this service, like you, you, we want you to know Jesus too. It's good to know things about him, but do you have a deep loving relationship with him? Because those are two very different things. And when you have this, when you know Jesus, the one who is, it changes everything in your life. And don't just take my word for it, by the way. Take Jesus's. John 8, 32, he has this moment where he says, hey, then you're gonna know the truth. He's talking to these believers. He says, then you're gonna know the truth and the truth will set you free. He's talking to um, the Jewish people, Pharisees, and he's saying like, you're gonna finally know um, what the truth is and then you're not gonna have to follow rules anymore. You're not gonna have to feel this sin and this shame anymore. You're going to be free from all of that. And if I'm reading that verse casually, like if I just open my Bible randomly to John 8, 32, I'm like, oh, hey-o, right? Like, I gotta know the truth. It's gonna set me free. What is the truth? Is it a secret word? Is it something to follow? Is it like someone, like someone has like this secret knowledge? And Jesus answers the question for us in John 14, 6. When he says, I am, this is Jesus talking, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. And what Jesus is doing is saying, hey, you want to know the truth that's going to set you free? It's not something to know. It's someone to know. It is me. It is Jesus. It is the Son of God. That's going to set you free. That is the way to God. 
It makes it even more clear in John 17, three. It says, and, in this, and this is the way to have eternal life, to know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. It is important to know Jesus, the one who is, and not just know Jesus and who he is. There's a stark difference. And so what I wanna do with the next 17 minutes and 36 seconds is I want to create space for us to know who he is. Even if you don't even know him, even if you don't care, I wanna give you the opportunity maybe to try it. <laughs> maybe it's not gonna hurt for one, one, one weekend just to try it. Be like, all right, I'll, I'll get to know Jesus. I'll, I'll see who he is. Um, because I think what we're doing is, is we wanna just be still and know that he is God. Just like Psalm 46.10 tells us to be still and know that he is God. It's the reason we've kind of stripped everything away this weekend that we didn't have all the, all the instruments and all the crazy lights because I, I don't wanna just perform Jesus at you. I'm not saying that that's what we're doing ever, but I just wanna take away every distraction that, so we can focus on Jesus. It is great. I love when we have the full band and all the lights and everything. I think it's super cool, but I, I just want us this weekend specifically to focus in on Jesus and knowing him. And doing what God has commanded us to do in Psalm 46.10 when he says, be still and know that I am God. That's what I want us to do. So with that verse, there's three sections up to it. The first one is a two-word uh, two phrase. It's be still. And in English, we can, we can view this word um, as like a gentle suggestion. How I've taught this before, I've been guilty of teaching this wrong, by the way, so let me confess that first off. Um, I have always taught it as like, all right, it's time to be quiet. Be still means to like pause. I think about like you're driving a car, you're a parent and you're in a car and your kids are fronting the background and you're trying to be like super nice. You're just like, be quiet, right? Like, all right, be still back there. Come on now. It's not what this verse is. In fact, the language around this verse is, is much more of a rebuke than it is a comfort. It's when you're, you're driving that car and your kids are like at the last leg and you're like, enough. It's one of those. It's like that be still. And what it really means is not like, hey, it's time to be quiet. It's time to, it's time to settle down. It is to surrender. It is to let go. It is to sink down. A, a, a very literal translation would be this, to cease striving. And oftentimes what we think this means is, okay, be quiet. That's good. It's very important. I'm not telling you that you shouldn't have like a quiet time. I'm not telling you shouldn't have like silence and solitude. But this verse is not saying that. It is saying it is a rebuke of the wild and relentless and turbulent world which is around us. And it is a command for us to surrender what is going on to God. Here's what I know about this season. Let's make this hyper-practical for just a second. Think about your life right now. It's the middle of Christmas. It's like December 17th. We're in the middle of it. And Christmas for some of us is, is harder than any other time of the year. Like think about like your, your, your schedules. I mean, I don't know about you, but this is the busiest I have ever been in my entire life right now. Like I'm in a place where I just feel like I can't catch my breath and I'm like, I, I don't know what to do. And I keep thinking like, is this ever going to end? And there's another thing and another thing and another thing. And it's all good things. That's the thing. Everything is good that I'm doing, but there's just so much that I'm like, am I ever gonna be able to stop and like, and like have a moment just to rest? And then I, I look on TV um, and guilty, I watch Hallmark movies, um, sue me. But like, I, I, I watch these moments where like, they're like on a Tuesday morning, they're at a coffee shop just doing nothing. And I'm like, where's my coffee shop moment, right? 
Like I want, I want to have like the ability to slow down and do nothing. How are they able to do this all the time? I watch these commercials that talk about how Christmas is the time just to be still and be quiet. And there's these people just watching the snowfall. And I'm like, that is not a reality in my life. And maybe it's not in yours either. And you read this verse and it says, be still. And you're like, impossible. There's no time to be still. I think there is time to surrender. Maybe for you, Christmas is difficult because of finances. I get that. You want to just give the best to everyone and you want to give um, an awesome gift or you want to be generous. It's a season of, of giving, right? Of generosity. And we just, want to, we just want to give to this person or do this or, or do that. And then you look at the books and you're like, it ain't going to happen. There's no way it's going to happen. I don't have the ability to do this. I'm not even sure I can give to myself, let alone give to anybody else. And you're worried and that just becomes a burden for you. Maybe the holidays for you are a struggle because when your family's together, and your house is full, you don't count the people who are there, you just see the people who aren't. And maybe through like a broken relationship, divorce, a death, there's just this missing person, missing spot. And Christmas isn't a time for cheer for you, but it's just, it's just grief and sadness and, and you just want this to be over with because it's just a glaring reminder who's gone. Maybe you're just disillusioned with Christmas. And you're like, what's, what's it become? This is stupid. I don't want to do this anymore. Can I just tell you right now, you aren't alone. And can I invite you to be still? I'm not saying that you, you can't do everything in your schedule. I'm not saying that all your finances are all of a sudden going to, you're just going to win the lottery. I'm not saying any of that stuff. But I am saying, can, can you just surrender your striving and let go of all that to God? Can you cease striving, surrender, relax, let go? And what I love about the Bible is it doesn't just say, hey, let go, and that's, that's it, right? It doesn't just say, you're done. There's something else to do. It says, be still and know. And we know what this word know means, right? Like, you know something. You, 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 you have information in your mind, and you make informed decisions off of that information. But this word is something much deeper. The Hebrew word is yada. Um, it's how I'm going to pronounce it for us to understand today. It's kind of like, you know the phrase like yada, 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 kind of like that. Um, it's this deep knowing. In fact, the word is even used in the Old Testament to talk about sexual relations in a marriage. Like it's a deep understanding and a bonding with someone. It's not just head knowledge, but it's heart knowledge. And you, you have experienced in your life, you just don't know you've experienced it. Like you, you see a stove that's turned on, you have the head knowledge, you know that a, a hot stove, a stove turned on is hot. It's a different thing to experience the burn. Like you, you know maybe that Reese's Cups makes these, these versions that are trees. It's another thing to experience heaven on earth in candy. <laughs> you know, somehow, inexplicably, the Sherman Mitten is closed around the holidays. Like, you know it's true. It's a whole other thing to experience going five miles in 50 minutes as I did on Tuesday morning. And let me just tell you right now, I went through all five stages of grief in that car. <laughs> Denial, I was like, surely, surely this won't be that bad, right? Like, I'm not gonna take back roads. And I went to anger and I was like, what, this is, this is horrible. What's this person trying to do, get over right now? Like, what are they, why do they think they're gonna get over right now? Went into bargaining, I was like, Lord, what are you teaching me? Right, like... What, what can I learn right now? When did a depression where I was like, what's the point? Like, why am I driving anymore? And then to acceptance where I was like, I live here. Traffic is safe. Traffic is home now. And that was the first mile. And so that was, a, it was super helpful for me in my life. Take it to Jesus. You, you might know Jesus. You might know things about him. 
You might know stories. You might know theology. You might know information. You might know a lot about what he did and what he said on earth. Do you experience him? Have you experienced him? Have you walked in a way that says, man, I'm not just gonna know things about Jesus, but that's going to move from my head into my heart. It's going to change the way I live because how Jesus walked this earth is sometimes starkly different than the way that we as Christians walk this earth. And it's one thing to know him. It's another thing to experience him. I think when you know about him, it'll change um, your head. But when you know him, it'll change your heart. Just ask the Apostle Paul. I don't know if you know the Apostle Paul. He's in the Bible. Um, he wrote most of the New Testament, actually, which is funny. But at the beginning of his life, uh, Paul, Paul knew a lot about God. Paul, I guarantee, knew more than, than me, anyone who works here at church. He, he knew more than us. Like he would have had the first five books of the Old Testament memorized. It would have been right here. And so he knew everything. He knew who Jesus was supposed to be. He probably knew a lot about Jesus because he knew so much he tried to stop him. Like he was like, I need to go stop the church. He knew so much about Jesus. He thought that he was taking people away from God as opposed to bringing them closer to God. So Paul's life at the beginning was like, I'm gonna go stop the church from growing until he experienced Jesus in Acts 9, where he had a, a, a Damascus road incident is what it's called. On the road to Damascus, Jesus says, hey, you're gonna experience me right now. We're gonna have interaction. And then his life has changed forever. And he... He is now not trying to take the church down. He is going and planting churches. We just saw it with two people right over here in our baptistry who they knew Jesus. They knew about Jesus. They knew facts about Jesus. But all of a sudden they experienced him in a way that said, hey, I, I can't live like this anymore. I have to do something. I have to make a, a public statement. I mean, do, have you ever thought about how crazy baptism is to anyone who's not a Christian? Like the fact that we get here and we get into the water, like people who aren't Christians walk in here and they're like, are they, are they drowning them? Like, is that like a part of what we're doing. Like we put our swimsuit on and we, we dunk somebody and we're like, are they gonna bring him back up? And we bring him back up and that's like, it is crazy. But when you experience Jesus, it's not crazy because we know who he is. We know Jesus, the one who is, and we have to live a different life because of it. See, be still and know isn't just saying, be quiet and think. It is saying surrender and experience God, or how the psalmist would put it, that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. I love how the book of Isaiah says this. Um, it's, Isaiah was written by a man named Isaiah. He was a prophet, and he, he had all these messianic prophecies, which means he had pretty much these predictions, um, but they were all accurate about like who Jesus was going to be, what he was going to do. It was really cool. And so you, you look in here, and, and one of the things that talks about Jesus as a baby, um, the way he says it is interesting because it's in the present tense for some of it. Look what it says. Isaiah 9, 6. It says, for a child is born to us, a son is given to us and the government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And let me just ask you right now, you might know those words, you might know those roles that Jesus is called. When you look at that, you're like, man, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, like he's got a resume, that's amazing, like he's awesome. It's one thing to know that he is those things. It is a completely different thing to experience him in those roles. I mean, just take the first one, for example, wonderful counselor. What that means is it is like all inspiring. That word wonderful, all inspiring. 
incredible, that you, he is so wonderful that you, you don't even understand it somehow. And then counselor, exactly what you think would mean, a guide, that he is a helper to us. And so in your life, you might know that he's the wonderful counselor. You've heard that before. Have you ever had a moment where you don't know what to do? You don't know where to go. And it feels like no one is listening. Do you know he's the wonderful counselor? Or have you experienced him as the guide, as the helper, as the person who wants to listen when it feels like nobody else will? To a point that's all inspiring. He is the wonderful counselor. Have you experienced him as the wonderful counselor? Mighty God, you might know that he's the mighty God. You might be like, yeah, I love Jesus. He's awesome, he's super mighty and strong. Have you experienced, do you believe that he is the mighty God when you speak to him? Do you believe that he is the one who spoke and from nothing, like the, the creation of the universe just happened, right? Like there was just, like it, it just was, it was. He spoke, there was nothing and then it happened. Do you believe that, 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 that he is experienced? We could experience him like that. As Colossians says, that everything was made to him and from him and through him and for him and that he holds everything together in his hands. When you, when you talk to God, or maybe you don't even talk to God, but when you think about Jesus, do you know that's who he is? Have you experienced him like that? Are you willing to surrender and experience that God? that the mighty God who created the universe wants to speak with you. Cause that's what I believe. And I want you to believe that too. I want you to experience that. Do you know him as the everlasting father? This is twofold. Everlasting means that he's omnipresent. It means that he is every place and every time. You cannot get away from God that no matter where you go and when you go, he is there, he is reigning. He is with us at that time. He's everlasting, but then he's the father. And maybe Christmas for you is hard because you just have a father issue. And it's with you all the time, no matter where you go. And, and it's, it's, it has marked you for life. It is one thing to know he's the everlasting father. Have you experienced him as your everlasting father? That he is the perfection of a dad. That he loves you the perfect way a dad could. Maybe that makes you feel uncomfortable right now, but maybe it makes you feel uncomfortable because that's what you've been wanting for so long. And you never knew that it was available to you. Do you know him like that? Do you know him as the Prince of Peace? That word Prince of Peace um, is shalom, that peace is shalom. And the way I explain it to our students is it's the, the wholeness, the fullness, the well-being, and the security of life. And what it means, when it says he's the Prince of Peace, that means even in the moments that you shouldn't feel whole, that it feels like a piece of you should be missing, you, you have wholeness. Even in the moments where you, feel, you shouldn't feel full, that you should be empty and, and you should be drained, you somehow can keep going. You don't know how, but that's the fullness. Even when you should not be well, everything around you is chaotic and horrible and crazy. For some reason, you are okay when things are not okay. And that's security. Even when the ground beneath you is shaking, you are secure. Do you know that he is the Prince of Peace or do you know him? Have you experienced him as the Prince of Peace? because he is those things. Do you know Jesus, the one who is? Christmas is the time that we get to celebrate and live in that truth. We should live in it every single day, but Christmas is a reminder that he came and we get to. 
I love John 14, um, or John 1, 14. In the message version, it says that the word became flesh and blood and moved into our neighborhood. That Jesus came to earth and he lived with us and walked with us. And we get to celebrate that. We get to know him and experience him. So what I wanna do right now um, is something a little unconventional, but I have a pet peeve. I hate when a, a preacher tells us what to do without telling us how to do it. And so I'm gonna allow us to have a moment of, of how to do right now. We're going to spend some time reflecting just quietly. And even though be still doesn't mean quiet and think, what we're gonna do is for a moment while we have the opportunity in the quiet, we're gonna to try to experience God together. So right now, um, what I'm gonna ask you to do is just kind of center yourself. Or maybe you need to feel the ground beneath your feet. Just remember where you are. Um, if you feel comfortable, you don't have to do this, but you can open up your hands on your lap. If, you, if, you, if you've been holding on to something, that word be still. Um, there is a physical connotation with it to let go of something. That's like the physical action attached to it. Maybe you've been holding on to something for a long time. Maybe it's even hostility to God. And you just need to let go and, and try for a second. But we're gonna, we're gonna sit here and maybe you can close your eyes if you need to. And I want us to experience the Lord together, experience Jesus together. Even if you don't believe in Jesus, maybe take this time, just see what happens. If you truly ask and say, man, do, do, does this, is this real? Is this, is this worth it? It might be, I think it is. I'm gonna read this verse um, five times in five different ways, you're gonna see. But as I'm doing it, take a moment to experience Jesus, to surrender and know him in a way you've not known him, to experience him. If you don't know how to do this, a good question to ask would be, as I read each verse, just ask, Lord, what are you trying to teach me now? Or what can I learn from this right now? Psalm 46, 10. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am, that he is.
be still. Be.